0: Today we're going to be in Acts uh, 13 and 14 looking at those two chapters. We're making a little bit of a transition in the uh, book of Acts. Remember we talked about the book of Acts as being the first 30 years of church history in the New Testament. And last week when uh, Brother Jeremy was uh, sharing about uh, Peter and uh, the vision that he had and now he knows for certain that God has a ministry to the Gentiles as well. Primarily, you remember that uh, Peter's the one who uh, was called upon to establish a church. He was the leader and, and so forth, and a lot was centered around him. But now we're moving the focus from Peter onto Paul, and from the Jews now to the Gentiles or the Greeks, or anybody who wasn't a Jew, Okay. Uh, So that's kind of where the focus is going this morning. And that's where the book transitions also. You're not going to hear a lot about Peter. You're going to hear a lot more about Paul. And we begin this chapter today, chapters 13 and 14. This is Paul's first missionary journey. Now, he doesn't go by himself, but he was called by the church that had gathered there. And now he and Barnabas are set out together and they go and perform their ministry. And when they begin that ministry, Barnabas is first going to area that's well known to him, so it's not, you know, completely foreign type of thing. And then they move on into other areas and so forth. So we're going to go ahead and uh, take a peek at that uh, this morning. All right. As you look at chapter 13, first couple of verses, it says, In the church at Antioch there were prophets, and teachers. Now you remember when uh, Brother Jeremy was sharing in his message, uh, and when he came across Antioch there in chapter eleven, I think verse twenty-six or so, somewhere in there. That's where it says that these people of the way, or that these followers of Christ, were first called Christians at a place called Antioch. So if you can imagine Jerusalem, and you know you have the whole area of, you know, the uh, Jewish kingdom at that time. Above that would be uh, Antioch in Syria. And then above that would be what we now know as modern-day Turkey. Okay, so now they're up north. That's where the Christians have gathered. They're there in this place. And there they had prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simon called Niger... Lucius of Cyrene, Manan who had been brought up by Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And so after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. Join me in a word. Father, it's our privilege as your children to be able to call upon you at any time. And at all times, Lord, when we call upon you, we know that you hear us. So long as we're talking to you, not to ourselves, not to an audience. And when we're not talking about what we want, but what you want. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer this morning. And my prayer would be that as we move through these passages of Scripture that we would have clarity of mind and understanding in your spirit that these things would be illuminated in our spiritual mind and that we might comprehend the truth of them and be able to make application in our own individual lives as well as the life collectively of this church. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. All right. So we're looking at uh, Paul's ministry here, huh? Turning a little page. Turning a little page, not just in the book of Acts, but in Christian history. Because the emphasis, by the way, uh, has moved from, uh, we said, from Peter to now Paul. And then you kind of wonder, well, wait a minute. There are some people that says that Jesus said, upon this rock, and he was talking about Peter, right? I will establish my kingdom, and therefore Peter's the first pope, not... So if he was... Why did the emphasis move so quickly off of him and on to Paul? And why did it move from the Jew to the Gentile if Peter was a Jew? There's so many other ways we could refute that, uh, that knowledge. God didn't ever intend to establish any kind of papacy. He never intended to set up any kind of hierarchy other than himself as the head the kingship you're talking about him being the king and his kingship and then all of us are joint servants together to worship our Lord and Paul was privy to having that opportunity to be able to share that message with so many others and this is the same Paul remember that used to persecute the Jews yeah We talked about his conversion in chapter 9, right? Remember he had to get knocked, you know, some sense knocked into him, knocked off his horse, struck blind for three days where he stopped eating and so forth. He just said, whoa, what has happened to me? Before someone comes to him and speaks to him and lets him know that he has a bona fide ministry with Christ, but he's got to call upon the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord and stop persecuting me and my people so that's one of the tough tough lessons that paul had to learn personally he had to stop what he was doing in order that he might be able to do what god was calling him to do and god had a great mission for him and he used his enthusiasm and his and his vigor and you know all that energy that he had that he used to want to you know thwart the christians and these people of the way and these other followers that had gone in that direction, and he wanted to persecute them in the name of his own religion. But God said there's something greater than man's religion, and it's me. And Paul had to learn that lesson. And we're not going to revisit Acts 9 and look at that conversion, but that is the basis for establishing him As one of those who becomes a minister of God. And Paul himself likes to refer to himself as the least of the apostles as well as the last of the apostles. He was one who was spoken to even by the Lord himself. And had attested to these many things. What God was doing uh, in the life of the church and in the life of, of all those who believed in him. Paul had to learn that. And he became a firsthand privilege to being able to hear the Lord, be able to speak to him and tell him what his ministry was now going to be. You know what you thought you were going to do? Sorry, we're going to change that. Here's the new plan. Huh? Huh? Have you ever seen somebody very, very zealous and they want to, yeah, they just want, yeah, I'm going to take up that and I'm going to do that. And then this is what I'm going to do. Well, wait a minute. If the Lord wills, maybe you will do this or that. So let's pray that the Lord's will be done so that we might follow him and honor him and do those things that are pleasing to him. Amen, brother? Kevin? Yes. <laughs> Man, when they first sent Berkeley, I'm seeing my condolences. Brother. You know, we think it's hard here in Hacienda Heights sometimes getting the word out to, you know, our own people. But wow, you have a ministry. I did um, a moving job there when I uh, lived up in Mill Valley going to Golden Gate Seminary. Did a moving job over at Brooklyn, um, okay. <laughs> and since then I've met a lot of cow bears but uh and then you kind of wonder if they're really never mind I, I won't say it but uh, but anyway, bless you you and your ministry. by the way, we have a young lady see you thought you came from a long distance she came from uh New York, right now she went to
1: oh did you <laughs> again <laughs>
0: And actually, you know what, there are, uh, gosh, I did, uh, oh gosh, never mind, I've, I've, I've already stepped in it so much. <laughs> Lord, thank you for not taking my life right now, but I am ready, okay, but I want to be able to be uh, uh, be of uh, leadership uh, uh, around here in Hacienda Heights for a while, as well as in Southern California, wherever the Lord takes me, okay? So thank you for your forgiveness, folks. Okay, so we're here. Paul's been changed. Paul's been redirected. And all the zealousness and all the eagerness and all the enthusiasm and his, you know, his hard work, all of that was put to a different use. And now it was to promote the same gospel that he used to refute. Remember the same people that he wanted to drag up? And by the way, Damascus is... Not too far from Antioch. It's up in the northern kingdom as well. Damascus is in Syria. Where Antioch is. So he wanted to go up there. And drag these Christians. And imprison them. If not kill them. He definitely wanted to thwart. The ministry of all those who were going around. In the name of the Lord Jesus. All those who were called away. All those who were called Christians in Antioch. And so forth. Grab them all. And just put them all to shame. Shut them all down. That way, his religion would stand up, right? By the way, have you ever thought, uh, or I mean, have you ever had these ideas? Well, I wish, you know, his, his thing wouldn't succeed so mine would look a little bit better, right? And sometimes we we'd get our little digs in with our friends. We kind of put them down to, to kind of make ourselves feel better. Wrong, wrong. Lift them up. Lift him up. And I'm going to point to a person right here that was one of those lift them up kind of guys who was just like that. And God wanted to lift up, uh, lift up uh, Saul or Paul as we now know him. But he couldn't do it because Paul had already elevated himself so much that he couldn't get any higher. He thought so great of himself and what he was doing that God couldn't use him. So what did God do? Boom! knocked him off that horse and knocked some sense into him made him humble for a minute and then let him realize that he could only be used if he began to accept the Jesus or the Christ the Messiah that he said he stood for that one Saul saw you know why persecutest thou me Why are you persecuting me? Uh, Lord, uh, yeah, we need to have that moment just like he did. And that's where Paul is right now. That's where he is. He's already had that conversion. We've already seen what's happened to Peter. And now we're beginning to see that Paul is taking to good use the opportunities that he has to serve the Lord. And he's going to be going on this missionary journey. And I'm going to take out my cheaters here because it's much easier to read. But I want you to go to, uh, if you will, Galatians. Now, we're in the book of Acts. So, the next one is Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, and then the book of Galatians. And if you go there to Galatians 1.15, you'll see a little something. This will give you a little bit of an insight. You see, Paul also wrote this letter to the Galatians. And in Galatians chapter 1, verse 15, he says, But when God, who set me apart from birth, you see what Paul has realized here? He has realized that even though he had a different plan for his life, God had already set him apart at birth. Do you remember another fellow in the Old Testament that also said that, that he was set apart? Remember Jeremiah? But you formed me in my mother's womb. And be, you know, before I was formed in my mother's womb, you knew me and you had a plan for my life and so forth. But now, Galatians 1.15, But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son to me, so that I might preach Him among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man. By the way, what does it say there? To preach whom? Among the Gentiles. preach Christ among the Gentiles. Paul said that I did not consult any man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was. But I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. And then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him 15 days. And I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the brother of Jesus. All right. So what Paul is saying to the Galatians is, look, after I was converted, wow, I had to get alone for three years. I had to go away to a place where the Lord could teach me so that I could be brought up, so that my uh, my, uh, teaching could be restructured. Not changing what I knew, but changing the emphasis and making sure that it was now on the true Messiah, not just some the God of our fathers that I thought I knew. Because you certainly didn't. If you'd have known the God of our fathers, you would have known who Jesus was. Isn't that what Jesus said? If you knew Abraham, you know Isaac, and Jacob, you would know me also. If you knew the Father, you would know me. That's what Paul needed to learn. Okay? So there, that's where he was there. So as we continue that study, I want you to turn to the next book. Okay, Acts, then the next book is Romans, okay? Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1 there, he says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, and called to be an apostle, and set apart for the gospel of God. You see what he refers to himself as? You know how we normally end our letters with, in signed love or sincerely or whatever, Joe Smoe or, you know, Joe Smuckatelli, or whatever, or, uh, you know, Susan, the, um, you know, flower maker, whatever. Their letters began with their name and with this purpose. So Paul tells you who he is, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, and what his ministry was. Called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Wow. And then he begins to tell his story. Now you see in your bulletin, I've recorded for you verse 16, right? Where it says in the bulletin there, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of God, for it is a power of salvation unto the Jew, or to the Jew first, but also to the Greek, or to these Gentiles, the, the non-Jew. Okay. And then um, uh, that, that just tells you where his ministry focus was, what God had called him to do. So he always made it his purpose to go to the uh, Jewish, you know, uh, synagogue first, or these uh, teachings, you know, little places where the the Torah was read and so forth. So he would do that, but he would also make it his focal ministry to go to the Gentiles. So that's where where Paul is there. There's um, one other passage in. Uh, First uh, Peter, you have to kind of move way far back to the, uh, so if you want to backtrack from Romans, you have, uh, I mean, from Revelation, you have uh, Jude and first, second, third John, and then you have first, second Peter. Okay, so first Peter 15, uh, chapter three, verse 15 says, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Peter had to bite his tongue and had to... uh, By the way, Peter was rebuked by uh, Paul, necessarily so, because Peter was doing the fakie-fakie Christian. And so many of you know that, right? Smile for Jesus, you know, type of thing. And he's sitting down and he's talking about something contrary. And wait a minute, Paul called him out, Man, you're a hypocrite. And then Peter had to learn that lesson. Now, I'm not saying that Peter's ministry was over, not at all. He was able to continue to minister, and God restored him to good ministry. Remember, after he doubted, and the Lord, you know, said, Wait a minute, feed my sheep, you know, shepherd my people, and all that. So he says, well, He was definitely restored to ministry. So he had that ministry, but that's not to say that he became the limelight. And I'm not to say that Paul became the limelight either. Paul has a tremendous influence in the, in the, in the uh, heritage of the church as the church began and so forth. Great, great. All that was good, but it's not about Paul himself. When you get over to those letters to the Corinthians, Paul says it's not about Paul, uh, Apollos. It's not about this person. It's not about me and so forth. It's about Christ. And that's where the emphasis needs to lie. And so now when they set out to go, I mean, here they are in Antioch. They're praying. There's uh, prophets and teachers there. They're praying. And now the Lord you know, says to them, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have for them. And so the people prayed and fasted and they sent them on their way. God chose Paul or Saul. As his name was before. Set apart for me. Barnabas and Saul. For the work to which I have called him. So after they fasted and prayed. They placed their hands on them. And they sent them off. Now we're moving from uh, Antioch. Up in Seleucia. Or Syria as it it was known. They're moving from Antioch. And it says the two of them. Verse 4. The two of them. Sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. Now, Cyprus is that that uh, city on the uh, uh, well, it's a little little island and so forth. So there they go to uh, Cyprus. It's in the Mediterranean Sea. They go over there, and when they arrived at Salamis, one of the little port towns, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues there. And John was with them as their helper. And you remember the story of John Mark or Mark? That's who we're talking about there. That's John. And they traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. And there they met a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, and the proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elamis, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, verse 9, who is also called Paul filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elamas and said, you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right, and you are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? And now the hand of the Lord is against you, he said. You're going to be blind, and for a time you'll be unable to see the light of the sun. And immediately a mist and darkness came over him and he was groping about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. And when the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching of the Lord. Brother Kevin, your ministry up there and being allowed into that, um, that apartment complex with so many different units is, is just tremendous. And that's the influence that Paul was able to have over this pro-counselor. That's the influence that you're having there. And that's the influence that I pray that we will have here in Hacienda Heights, that these doors will be open for others to see that what we share in the name of the Lord is true and is honest and will prepare the way for the Lord's ministry to continue to move not only in the Heights but in Southern California and throughout the world. Well, now they move down from Paphos. They are beginning to leave that island. Uh, Verse 13... And Paul and his companions sailed to Perga and Pamphylia, and then John left them. To uh, John left them to return to Jerusalem. Well, you remember what happened there. You know, uh, I'm not going to talk a lot about uh, John Mark bailing on the ministry. He was a little bit young, maybe uh, didn't have the wherewithal at that particular point. He had the desire, but he wasn't strong enough at that point. And he says, I'm out of here. So he goes on ahead and leave. Well, we know that that became an issue between Barnabas and Saul. And you'll see that there when we get over to chapter 16 in the uh, book of Acts. You'll see that a little bit later. So anyway, so the ministry is continuing on. And standing up, verse 16, you know, here's uh, Paul in in one of the uh, synagogues there. And he motioned with his hand and he said, men of Israel, And, you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our fathers and he made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power he led them out of that country and he endured their conduct for about 40 years in the desert. He overthrew seven nations in Canaan and gave their their land to this people as their inheritance. And all this took about... Uh, 450 years. And after that, God gave them judges and so forth. And so he begins to describe the history of the children of Israel. In verse uh, 23, says, From this man's descendant, God has also brought to Israel the Savior, Jesus. He's talking about the descendants of David. And before, verse 24, Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. And as John was completing his work, he said, Who do you think that I am? And I'm not that one. No, but he is coming after me whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. Brothers, verse 26, children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us, it is up to us, that this message of salvation has been sent. This message has been given to us. The same lesson that Peter learned, that now he knows that in every nation, anyone who will call upon the name of the Lord can be saved. That in any nation, everyone who looks to the Lord is open to the sonship in God's kingdom. Peter had to learn that lesson. And he learned it you know, through a dream or a vision and so forth. Paul has also learned that lesson. And he's now teaching it. He says, You, the children of Abraham, and you, God fearing Gentiles, doesn't matter what country you're from, doesn't matter what your eyes look like, or what your hair looks like, or what your skin color looks like, in every nation, anyone that will call upon me can be saved. Amen. I hope you're still with me. And he says, about Jesus. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus. Yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. And though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the tree and they laid him in a tomb. But God, verse 30 it says, but God raised him from the dead And for as many days as he was, and for many days he was seen by those who traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. And they are now witnesses to all these things. Therefore, brothers, verse 38, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And through him, everyone who believes is justified justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses take care what the prophet said In Paul and Barnabas verse 42 were leaving the synagogue the people invited them to speak about these things the next Sabbath by the way what do you think if Jeremy or I shared a message on Sunday do you think the people will invite us back they did to Paul They did to Paul. Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue and they invited him to come back the next Sabbath. And when the congregation, verse 43, was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas and who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. And on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Isn't that great? Almost the whole city gathered To hear the word of the Lord. That means that everybody that that heard them speak, everybody that heard their message, everybody that heard them talk about the Lord Jesus Christ and His saving grace. Remember, that's what He wanted them to abide in. Continued grace of the Lord. They went out. First of all, they invited them back. And then they went out and they told everybody and almost the whole town shows up the next Sabbath. So there is the ready to speak what also happens. Anytime you try to do something great for the Lord, you can anticipate this next verse. You can anticipate. It's just as sure as whatever. It's just like one of the laws. If you stand up for Jesus, there will be people standing up against you. If you stand up for Jesus, and if you call yourself a Christian... And you're never questioned. You're never, you know, uh, uh, someone, you know, nobody ever spurns your name. Never says, oh, you're just a hypocrite. Yeah, but at least I have the Lord. If nobody ever counters you, then wonder whether or not you're following true to the gospel. This next verse is so true So on the Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. And when the Jews saw the crowds, these are not the Jews that were believing. But when the Jews saw the crowds, these are the other Jews. They were filled with jealousy and talked abusively against what Paul was saying. Wow. Wow. Years ago, there was a lady who used to sit in this chair or in this pew right here. And there was a, another Baptist church right that had come in, moved into town, right there were the, the I guess there's a Chinese uh, church there now on Hacienda. And before that, there was this Baptist church. And before that was a wedding chapel. Remember Florida, de Lis? I still remember that. But So that's what I still think of when I still think of that place. But she says, Pastor, aren't, you know, Aren't you upset that this other church moved away, you know, I mean, moved in a block away from us? Not at all. Why should I be? If they're preaching Christ and if they're preaching the same thing that we are, then we shouldn't be upset. Anybody ever heard the name Rick Warren? I know, nobody knows who he is. By the way, I am the real Pastor Rick. I don't know who that imposter is. Okay, okay. So, I don't know, Warren or something it is warrant I don't know if there's a warrant out for his rest or whatever, but anyway. So Rick Warren is over there and he's he's preaching and you know and his church is growing and all these people are getting baptized and so forth and remember he comes to a new church and he says, Hey, you know, we'd like to borrow your baptistry and so forth, you know, and the, the person there at the, the church says, No, we have a we have a policy that we don't loan our baptistry out to anybody we're in competition with. Competition. So in his poignant style, I'll give it to him. The guy's got the preaching. Rick Warren says simply to him, that's like two ants arguing over who's going to eat the elephant, right? Hello, there's plenty for all of us. So if one church wants to move in there and one wants to move at the, move in on the corner and another one at the end of the block and one right across from us, don't fret it. There's plenty for all of us. Okay, how many people eat vanilla ice cream besides my son? Okay, and that's your only ice cream you eat. Okay, that's the only ice cream he liked. There there was a church my dad told me about. He went there, you know, for years and have a great evangelist coming, and he's, you know, music evangelist, and he's trying to lead them in singing, and they're all quiet. And finally, after a couple of songs, he says, well, what's wrong? And they simply said, preacher, we like on Jordan's stormy banks. You know, I mean, so you're always going to find that one church that, We've always done it this way, and that's all we're ever going to do. So you can find that stuff. But we don't have to be worried, not like these people here, and think that there's any competition. God is much greater than this. All of the churches in Hacienda Heights, and by the way, there's a lot of them. Some are well-known. Some have big buildings. Some do not. If we had every one of our churches in Hacienda Heights filled, we still would not have room for all the people in Hacienda Heights. There's no way. No way. Just a small portion of the citizenry of Hacienda Heights. So we don't have to be jealous about that other church that's doing great. Or, uh, you know, I don't know why uh, Rick Warren's jealous. He wants to be called Pastor Rick too, just like me. But uh, but okay, I'll give him that. You know, he doesn't have to be jealous. His church is doing well. Okay? Okay. He's a hater, you know, what can I say? All right, so you have Paul, he's, you know, he's ministering to all these people. Paul and Barnabas are together, they continue to minister. They want to talk about eternal life, and they, we, he says, let me, let me go ahead and read a little bit more. And then Paul and Barnabas answer them boldly, we speak the word of God to you first. Since you, re, since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. I hope I made that clear as I was reading these verses before from Galatians and from Romans and and so forth, that his ministry, he knew he was called to the Gentiles, but he now can say very convincingly, "Now, well, okay, if you're jealous, then we'll just go to the Gentiles. We don't have to go to your synagogue. We now turn to the Gentiles, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I've made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. By the way, do you see that there? Remember what Acts 1.8 says? And that, you, you know, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, the southern kingdom. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. In other words, you're going to start here, but you'll expand, you'll broaden out, and then you'll reach out to the rest of the whole world. That is coming true, folks. With this first missionary journey, the gospel is being spread out. First to Cyprus, and then it goes up into southern Asia. so, So the gospel is beginning to spread as they move, as they take the gospel truth that they know and begin to share it with the others that the Lord has called them to. The gospel is getting out there. The gospel is being spread out among everybody. Now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and they were honored that the word of the Lord and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord spread through the whole region. And of course, you know, the next verse, but the Jews incited God-fearing men and so on and so forth. Okay. Now the word is being spread over to Iconium, chapter 14. And at Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went, as usual, into the Jewish synagogue. They can still continue to try to reach their countrymen. And there they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the Gentiles and they poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent a considerable time there speaking and so forth. Their message was uh, was uh, confirmed uh, by the grace of God and enabled them to do miraculous wonders and signs and so forth. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and others sided with the apostles. And there was a plot of foot. And you know how, how that goes. Anyway, they went ahead. They left that city. Now, verse 8. In Lystra there sat a, sat a man, crippled in his feet, who was lame from birth, and it never walked. And he listened to Paul as he was speaking. And Paul looked directly at him. And he saw that he had the faith to be healed. And he called out. Stand up on your feet. And at that the man jumped up. And he began to walk. Wow. What a healing. So did Paul just say. Okay. In the name of Paul. Stand up. Rise up and walk. No. No. Paul looked at him first. He looked at him. And he saw that the man had faith to be healed. And he called up. Called out. Stand up on your feet. And at that the man jumped up and began to walk. Well, when the crowd saw saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. And Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker and and the priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths at the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. Wow. Wow. Thank God. These two guys did not get caught up in the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Cool, huh? Watch me do it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it all right. Remember a fellow by the name of Herod? Boom, immediately. When he took the praise that belonged to God, the scripture says he was eaten of worms and he died. But verse 14 says, But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, They tore their clothes. They rushed out into the crowd shouting, Men, why are you doing this? We too are only men. Humans like you, we are bringing the good news. Telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. And in the past he let all the nations go their own way. Yet he has not left himself without a testimony. And he has shown kindness by giving you rain from, uh, rain from heaven and crops in their season. And he provides you with plenty of food and he fills your hearts with joy. And even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. But Paul and Barnabas wanted to make it very, very clear that they were only men. And that it was God they were preaching and that God should get the glory. And it was God who had provided for them. And God, who had been their deliverer and sustainer. Well, verse 19 says, Then some of the Jews from Antioch and Iconium, who had won over the crowd, uh, uh, came, you know, they, they kind of followed up, you know, okay, they followed him there, you know, the, some of the haters, they went over there, and they convinced the crowd to go against him. So it says they stoned Paul and they dragged him outside of the city, and thinking he was dead, but after the disciples gathered around him and they got him up and they went back to the city the next day, Barnabas and it says that Barnabas uh, went down to Italia. Oh, excuse me, to to Derby. I was reading a paragraph ahead. Wow. The ministry of the gospel, or the good news, is getting out there through these towns. But it's not without opposition. It's not without difficulty. It is to say that any time we venture to do something good for the Lord, Even though there'll be good results, there'll also be great opposition that's commensurate with it. So don't expect only success. Expect opposition to that success or jealousy from your own people. Right? That comes. Well, they go ahead and they return to Antioch in Syria, and that's the end. Of the first missionary journey. They had preached the good news in every city. With large numbers of disciples coming and so forth. They were strengthening the disciples. And encouraging them to remain true to the faith. And they said we must go through. Many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. True, true. And Paul and Barnabas. Appointed elders for them. In each church. And with prayer and fasting. Committed them to the Lord. In whom they had put their trust. And after going through Pisidia. They came to Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. And from Italia they sailed back to Antioch where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work that they had now completed. And on arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them. And how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And it says they stayed there with the disciples for a long time. It takes time when missionaries go abroad and when they begin to minister. And you see it says they took time to minister to them. They proclaimed the truth to them. They allowed time for the people to come and gather and teach them some more. And so they're faithful about their teaching and in their travels. But they also set up elders there. They didn't just do the wham, bam, and see you later. They went in there, not a flash in the pan. They went into minister. They carried the truth of the gospel. And they also set up elders or leaders in each one of these places that they went so that there would be somebody they could respond to and follow up with. And by the way, when we get over to chapter 16, you'll see that again. Now they decide, hey, wait a minute, maybe we should go back and check on these churches, check on these missions. And make sure they're still following through. Make sure that they have everything they need and so forth. So we're going to see that a little bit next time. But for this time, you see, that as we've gone through our study, we've, we've turned gears, you know, in the book of Acts. We've gone through the end, basically, of, uh, the, you know, uh, the proclaimed part of uh, Peter's ministry. And now you see that the ministry is beginning to expand Outside of Jerusalem, outside of their comfort zone or outside their region, to other peoples with other languages and other cultures and other ideas. You saw right here, these people believed in Zeus and Hermes. And wait a minute, no, 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 we're people just like you. Don't sacrifice to us, sacrifice to the one true and living God. They stayed true to their message, but they faced opposition nonetheless. I want to charge you with being true to the message yourself. You already know the gospel. And if you don't know the gospel, talk to anyone else here. Let's know what we believe ourselves, right? And then we can tell what's counterfeit. We can tell what else doesn't fit. There's all There's all these different other gods and all these different ideas. And, you know, when even if you turn on, you know, one of these Christian uh, shows and, You know, it's supposed to be about ministry and so forth. And yeah, we believe in the Trinity. In fact, we believe in a Trinity of the Trinity. So there's not just, you know, Father God, the Holy Spirit, and the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's a Trinity of the Father. There's a Trinity of the Son. There's a Trinity of the Spirit. What? Okay. So when people start getting off in other directions, you stay true to your word. And when they confront you and say, well, you don't know what you're talking about. Just go back to the word that you know. Stick close to that, and you won't go astray. By the way, where do you find your boldness to speak up? You find it in the truth that you know. Something you know, you can proclaim positively and unashamedly. So if we stick close to the gospel and not, not try to talk about things we don't know, then we can be confident about what we do share. And come what may, these other arguments, these... Uh, jealous haters or actual opposition to the truth we're sharing it doesn't matter we stand in Christ and in him we are more than conquerors amen isn't that what the scriptures say we are more than conquerors through Christ when you read there in Romans eight thirty one, 31 that uh, me and you know that, that uh, I'm just going to read it <laughs> I'm starting to draw a blank here Scripture verse I learned a long time ago, and now I find myself forgetting some of what uh, uh, of what I've I've learned. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, hmm? if God is for us, who can be against us? Don't worry about anybody else. If you're with God, then God's for you. You don't have to worry about anybody else. God bless you. Let's go ahead and have the uh, ministers lead us in song.